Hey guys, it's Seven Figure All here, and I'm back with another episode of the Cerebral Palsy and Fitness Podcast. I have DJ Nicholson. She is the CEO and founder of Inclusivity, and she's also she's also a former educator. So welcome, DJ. Thank you, thank you. And David, my business is Inclusivology. Inclusivology. I'm sorry, Inclusivology. Inclusivology. No worries at all. Yeah, so um, I'm definitely excited to have you here, and uh, feel free to share with us a little bit about your background. Sure. So I was a 20-year veteran educator. I worked in a variety of different um, settings with different kinds of disabilities. I've worked with children with behavior disorders, significant cognitive disabilities, learning disabilities, language impairments. I've kind of run the gamut of that um, in my 20 years in the classroom. And then after that, I worked for six years in the in our special ed department in a large Florida district. And I was an instructional coach and a trainer and worked, you know, really closely with teachers and um, administrators on how to provide effective instruction, how to provide as much inclusion as possible, you know, taking into consideration um, least restrictive environments and things like that. Now, what what made you um, decide to one day after 26 years, just walk away? That is a fabulous question. So I was definitely one of those people that thought, you know what, I am so indebted to the public education system that I'm going to work here my entire life and I'm never going to leave and it's going to be great. But what started to happen is I realized a lot of what was coming across from the district level from the state level was a lot of talk and not a lot of action. So I came from a special education department where we, you know, would always say, you know, we're fully inclusive district and all means all. And that was like kind of our hashtag. And after a while I started realizing, you know what, no, we're, that's not what we're doing at all. And so you know, I was, I've always been a fierce advocate for children with disabilities. I feel like that started for me back when I was in the first grade, but that's a whole other story. And so I started, I started pushing back a little bit. And so we were discussing reading assessments and creating new reading assessments because, you know, we have so many children, you know, that are not proficient in reading. And so I said, so how are we going to support um, teachers and children that, that don't read in a typical fashion or, or who are not verbal, who are not typically verbal, how are we going to assess them? And so that's part of my skill set, but it wasn't part of everyone's skill set. And I was told, you know, don't worry about the 6%. And I said, well, we have to worry about the 6% because if we're saying that all means all, you know, right. all is a hundred percent, not 94%. And so I realized, you know, I was in a system that, you know, it looked good on the surface that we could say we were fully inclusive and all means all and everyone is integrated and we have positive culture in all of our schools. But that simply was not true. And I realized that, you know, that was that's hard for me. And I was not willing to be a part of a system that really wasn't moving forward and not and not um, doing what's right for, for every child. So really, 
Um, my reason for, for growing and building inclusiveology is to make sure that every child is included in learning, whatever their learning style, whatever their disability, that they're included and they have equity, have to have equity. Right, right. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's one of those things where sometimes, uh, depending on the situation, people tend to put up a front. So you're talking, you're talking about, think about Emil Durkheim's, um, front stage, backstage persona. You know, you have people that backstage, they're themselves, you know, they like to, they're, they, they do what they feel is right for them and how they act a certain way because it's a, their personality. Now, mm-hmm. then you have people in the front that have to put up a, a smile, a face, and uh, it's a fake it till you make it. So right. this, is yeah, kind of, no. this is kind of that situation, you know, where you're talking about putting words, putting words, 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 but no actions and just trying to make, just trying to make yourself look good. Exactly. And that's really what it was. So, you know, if, if I would say to, you know, like a school administrator, you know, do you, do you provide inclusive supports for your, for your students? Oh yeah. Yeah. I said, okay, so tell me a little bit more about that or tell me what that looks like. And then you have them, and, uh, like, uh, I don't know anything, uh, you know, just like trying to come up with something, but they can't really. Right. You know? or, or it's, oh, you know, go ask the teacher, you know, she'll, she'll have more information about that. And then I can only say that we might want to have a conversation <laughs> about what that's supposed to look like. So is this something you want to uh, incorporate in every school district? I mean, we're talking about statewide or is it just, uh, it, do you want to expand it to where it goes from, uh, I guess, state to state, not just in Florida? I, I think there needs to be um, a drastic educational reform movement and I know that like, you know, just as DJ and inclusivology, I'm, I'm not going to do that by myself, but I think we need to start somewhere. And so even if we start in Florida, regardless of the type of school that we start with, I think that it's important that we build school communities. We have to build inclusive school communities because I've, I, you know, I've, I've been to schools where, you know, the te- a teacher will say, Oh yeah, I'm, I, we're really inclusive. I work, you know, some of my kids go to that gen ed teacher's classroom. We're inclusive, but the whole school community isn't. And I guess my my point in, you know, being passionate about building inclusiveology is that it goes beyond just a school. So if we build a school community, which means all the teachers all the associates, the custodial staff, the cafeteria staff, the ladies in the front office, all of, if it's a community, well, then that really should reflect what our community as a whole looks like, right? Right, right. And, and then, you know, um, not just, we're not just, I mean, focusing on just inclusion, but we're talking about accessibility. Like when I was a kid in school, half the time, like, say for example going to the restroom like like all everything in like the restroom for example it's not all accessible like that door to get to the restroom it was so heavy like and I would always like I would always ask like why is there no button there because there's kids in wheelchairs Mm -hmm. there's kids that can't push the door and they might there might not be anybody there around to help them or to get around the school you know like and then I have this, uh, then when I was in, when I was at, at UCF, mm-hmm. 
and this really this really put me uh kind of infuriated me a little bit but um the campus is huge mm-hmm. the stops to get to the to the shuttles are, are like far away and then you have then i used to walk that campus now now eventually my body got used to it mm-hmm. you know and then one day i was so exhausted and i had to get to take my final and i saw somebody in the cart and i asked him for a ride mm-hmm. and can you guess what the response was was it no or I don't have time. It, w- it was no because you're a liability. <gasps> wow! 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 Um, but fortunately, I had somebody you know under the table who was super nice. Like when nobody was looking, mm-hmm. he would pick me up and drop me off where I needed to go. He's like, "Whenever you see me, and mm-hmm. there's nobody around, I'll take you." So he was—he was kind of a a guardian angel in a sense. I love that. I love that. So yeah, yeah, there, there, there needs to be work, not just in our public schools, but we're talking about colleges and universities too. Absolutely. You know, and just taking it back to, you know, a simple button in order to open up a door, not only does that make things more accessible, but it also creates independence. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I think in our, in our schools right now, it's very easy, you know, f- for a district to say, well, we'll just give you, you know, a high needs associate, or we'll give you someone that can be with you on campus. Well, no, because <laughs> oh, the ultimate goal is to make people as, as independent and empowered as, as possible. So whether that means making an environment accessible. And, you know, one of, one of my things is, you know, just because you have a ramp at your school or a button that opens up your front door does not mean that you, that your campus is accessible for everyone. It right. doesn't. And, and then here's, here's the worst part about that is the stuff they have for, for, to assist students, it's not built um, safe, uh, safely enough. We're dealing mm. with a safety issue too, because sometimes you be I'll be seeing a ramp or a rail, mm-hmm. and it's not situated properly. And I'm like, I don't feel safe going up this on my own because I have, you know, having CP, I have mm-hmm. balance issues. So, right. um, so I'm like, if I don't feel safe going up that going up that rail, no one else is. So, just out of curiosity, then, did they ever ask for your feedback? Did they were they ever open to feedback from you? I don't remember, but I do know when I was at UCF, I was part of a panel of uh, the first ever inclusion panel for disabilities nice. in, school, in school history. I was actually the only alum to serve in that uh, panel too, the first one and the only one. So um, yeah, we, we got to talk about feedback and things that we need to improve our school. And um, mm-hmm. it's something that I do now as a motivational speaker as I bring awareness to it. And then I also did a panel um, when I went to my community college as well, I was the youngest panel member there. And then we got to, it was a disability services panel. So we got to talk about the services offered, um, things that, you know, things that we, things that we could do there to help assist students. And, and, uh, when, but when I was younger, I never really got, um, as far as accessibility, there wasn't much of feedback that I could give because I was just a child at the time. So I couldn't really tell you whether or not I was asked to give feedback 
but as mm-hmm. I got older and when it came to the inclusion side and, and IEPs and stuff like that, yeah, I was able to have my input. So one of the things that I do with inclusiveology is, you know, really understanding what the word accessible and accessibility means and looks like. So part of it, I think in, in schools is that there's just an incredible lack of knowledge on what that means and what tools are available and understanding that their tools and supports, they're not something that's giving someone an extra edge or is giving someone an unfair advantage. You know, and I just think about, you know, assistive technology, you know, that, that is not meant to give someone, you know, an upper hand in anything. It's meant to be a support. It's meant to create independence and bridge a gap between, you know, maybe, you know, for example, like if you have a fourth grader who's not yet reading on grade level, but needs, but it needs, needs some support to make that text accessible. Well, then why couldn't that passage be read aloud? If, if the, if the goal of the lesson is to, you know, to access content, if students can't access content because they can't read, then we need to give them a tool in order to kind of to, to, to bridge that gap because we can't keep saying, well, he just, he doesn't read or he's not a reader or he doesn't get it. Like, okay, well, then do something about it. But if teachers don't know what to do, then they don't know why and they don't know how. And so that's a big piece of what we do in inclusiveology is that, you know, it's easy to understand the what, but you have to know why and how to do something in order to do what's right for kids. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with having multiple tools available, showing them to students and giving them an opportunity to make a choice, to empower them to say, you know what, if you need speech to text, go ahead and use it. If you need to change your seat with flexible seating, change it. It's okay. Yeah, and I mean, I was, I was um, fortunately given the, the uh, luxury to do, to, do, uh, to do that, you know, to do those things. And, um, and then, you know, I, as I got older, you know, I was able to get, I was able to advocate, advocate for myself, which uh, brings me to my, my point as well. Um, I'm an advocate for middle school students. Now, nice. I, okay. I, I used to work as a, a an assistant um, middle school teacher for AmeriCorps. So I used to be in the classroom all the time, you know, working with students, you know, on their academics, mm-hmm. um, being there in the classroom in case they needed support. And then I would also, because the district, the Orange County was so short on one-on-ones, sometimes um, I would assist a student that had, uh, you know, different needs. So mm-hmm. I would... I would, uh, for example, uh, last year uh, when I was at um, Odyssey Middle School, I would actually assist a student sometimes uh, with his with his reading, and he was he was autistic. So mm-hmm. what I would do was, you know, because he was he had a hard time uh, reading, I'd be like, "All right, so do you want me to read the? Do you want to read together, and we'll read it together and go over the question together?" And sometimes he'd get all excited. He's like, "Yeah, let's do it!" and we'll read it together and go over the questions and, 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 
and um and you know sometimes it got me really um sad because um with the one-on-ones not being available it really puts a hamper on the student and it makes him fall behind absolutely Mm -hmm. but you know part part of you know being an advocate is especially at the middle school level i would think is to help help kids advocate so they can advocate for themselves oh yeah i've been i've been pushing it this year with my uh because i work with all all boys from uh, sixth grade boys Mm -hmm. so uh with them uh i had a student the other day ask me um can you uh see if you can get um notes from uh from a teacher and i'm like all right so you need notes right so why don't we go together Mm -hmm. and I'll, i'll be i'll be with you and you can ask, and then if, if it if it's a little difficult for you, then I'll step in, and that's mm-hmm. what, that's what I do with the that's what I do with the kids, and we talk about uh, life situations and um, things that they might need help with, and and mm-hmm. just be there for them because sometimes the parents might be working two jobs, um, one parent might not be in their life, you know. I've have kids right. that don't have mothers and fathers, and they live with their grandparents or their sure. aunts and uncles, and it's a it's a it's a wonderful job. Like, and, and I've been, I've been doing, I've been in the education system for, for five years, but I have family mm-hmm. that spans five decades in education. Nice. I love that. And some of them are, were college professors. Um, mm-hmm. My, my stepmom is in special education herself and she's been doing special education for a good 20, 20, 25 years. And she's still in it. And she retired for briefly, but then she got back into it and then, and then there's me. I kind of I kind of stepped into the next generation. So and I never I honestly in a million years never thought I would step in a classroom and do education. My my actual dream was to be a meteorologist. And 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 when I did math, I was like, nope, this isn't for me. <laughs> nope. Well, and I also love too. In addition to supporting students, you all, you're also a motivational speaker. I am. I uh, you know I like I said I. I just been able to share my, my life story and my journey. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's wonderful to see everyone's reaction. And that's where I kind of started the podcast was I started out with my journey mm-hmm. and I said, why not start with, uh, you know, bringing people with different stories to share that are motivating, mm-hmm. inspiring and captivating. And then that'll motivate them to be like, you know what, this isn't so bad. I want to share my story because I've had people that listen to the podcast and they're like, you know, I've been sitting here all these years afraid to share my story. And there's all these people coming out and sharing theirs. And maybe I should do that too. And that's what I, that's my goal. It's so, that is so powerful though, to give people permission. Sometimes people need permission to have those hard conversations and and to share something that they might not necessarily want to share. Because I feel like we all have a story. We all have a story. Mm -hmm. And if it helps to empower someone else, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, you know what I found, found really uh, awesome was that you mentioned that you work with uh, disabled pets and you have mm. uh, pugs and things like that. So tell me a little bit about that. Oh, okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. So um, I just, so I adopted my first little rescue pug um, back in 2000 and nine. I've had, I've had pugs for at least 15 years. My first little rescue pug came to me. He was blind. 
he had a back injury. He had all kinds of stuff. He was an absolute disaster. And so I had to, I really had to figure out like, well, how am I, how am I going to help him in the best way to make him independent? So he doesn't have to be with his mommy all the time. So I realized that my skill set working with kids with disabilities was perfect for dogs and pugs are just my breed. And so I worked really hard with him to make him independent and give him tools in order to, to be independent. So, you know, we, I would have people, you know, it's all say all the time, like, Oh, it's so sad that he's blind. And I said, it's not sad that he's blind. It's not sad at all. He, I mean, he is independent. He is alpha. He is just fabulous. Um, and I lost him just this past October. Oh, I'm sorry. But he, thank you. But he, you know, he came from, um, a medical foster home before he came to me. And so after working with him, you know, I realized, you know, this is really, it's a gift that I have and I really love it. So I have dogs with, I, they come in and out of my house all the time. And so I know how to do rehab with a wheelchair in order to build strength and mobility. I know how to help a dog um, navigate through a home if they're, if they're blind or visually impaired, I know how there's just so many little tricks of the trade that I know how to do. And so for me, I'm able to educate potential adopters. So, so because a lot of times, you know, it might be scary to think, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm getting a dog that's blind or I'm getting a dog with medical issues, but if I can do all of the problem solving, I can create all the accommodations and modifications that they need. And so when someone is ready to adopt a dog with a disability, I can say, hey, these are this is the list of all the things that, that they're going to need. These are special things you can put on the floor. These are special little scented things that you can use so they can find their way around your house um, with sense. Here's how to set up an environment if you have a dog that has mobility issues or here's so there's always a lot of little things that I can do and share with potential adopters. And the beautiful thing is that there are so many people in the world that have a huge heart for pets with disabilities. So I always have a revolving door of at least one, one pug um, that needs um, some additional support. I actually have one sleeping at my feet right now. So um, in addition to that though, it's a great opportunity um, to work with children. So, you know, while I don't have children of my own, I live in an amazing neighborhood where there's tons of children that are outside all the time because it's Florida and it's beautiful to be outside. So they get a chance to meet all of my pets and they think it's really fun that Miss DJ has like a different dog every other month or so. I have somebody different, but it's a good opportunity for them them to learn and, and understand that it doesn't matter that that there's a disability or that they're different. Everybody's different. Right. And, um, you know, you know, the good thing about, about the, you know, about children and, and you know, pets is, is when they see a pet with a disability, they're like, Oh, but he has a disability too. So it's like, it, um, it brings back that confidence, you know, of like, Oh, well, if they have a disability, it's okay for me to ha- have one. And, and, 
And then you, from there, you start building that self-confidence to believe in themselves and show them that, you know, you might have a disability and it might take you longer to do things, but eventually you'll get to where you need to be. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, and it all goes back to, you know, feeling empowered and feeling confident and, and growing that, that sense of, of independence. I think that sometimes we, it's such a hindrance that, you know, when, when we, you know, hold children back or we don't have high expectations for them, disability or not. Yeah. And, um, uh, you know, and you say, you say you, you work a hundred, a hundred percent in inclusion. I see 101% with with those pets. (laughs) It's fun. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, that is something that comes from my heart for sure. And it's, it's hard. I sacrifice sleep a lot of the time. Um, but I love it. I love it. It's really great. Have you written any, any books at all, as far as what you do? I have not written a book yet. I do have a blog. Um, I have a blog on my website and I also, you know, I post it on Facebook and LinkedIn and things like that. But, um, my blog is, it's a nice little mix of some really important, uh, technical things that we need to know as educators, but then it's also, you know, my stories working with children over the years, it's a little bit of, of pugs and their disability. And, um, it's just, so I'm hoping that someday, you know, I can take my blog and turn that into a book, a little bit of like a chicken soup for the soul, but you know, maybe DJ's soup for the soul or something like that. Yes. Something, something that'll uh, help, uh, encourage others and, and motivate them. And, and I'm, I'm glad that uh, not just myself is out there advocating, but you yourself with, uh, you know, with children with disabilities and our education system. And I, I got to thank you. Oh, thank you're you. welcome. So th- thank you for doing what you do. Well, and I, and I think that, you know, it's, it's well past time that, you know, we have to have voices out there that are saying, you know, it's just, it's just not right. It has, education has to be equitable. Right. It just does. And so I don't know, back to what I said at the beginning, you know, part of why it's not equitable is because people don't know what to do. And if they don't know the what, then they don't know the why and the how. Right. And you see it a lot in our, in our kids. Like sometimes I'll see, I'll see kids and I'm like, he has so much potential, but he's being held back because uh, mm-hmm. the parents don't know. Like, um, like when I was younger, when I had my biological mom, when she was alive, um, she was a very young mom. She was uh, 16 years old and she had me. And she, she, you know, we're talking about a young teen mom, have a, you have a disabled son and, a, and my younger brother as well. Um, and when you have a disabled son and you're, you're, you're practically a teenage, a teenage girl with no experience, you have no, you have no idea, but, to, but to put him somewhere. And I started, uh, in the education system, I started, I started at the very, very, very bottom, which is special education and the, in the, in the unit, I started there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, uh, for a few years I spent it with my biological mom and my stepmom and then my dad all three of them together were a cohesive unit wow fortunately there was co-parenting involved yes um she passed away when she was 23 and then my my stepmom had to make a choice uh either 
you know, continue on with, uh, you know, with life, living my youth, uh, and getting my degree, which she got her degree eventually. And she, she chose to, uh, she's like, I see potential in this child. And, and, and I, I think I'm going to take him in for the ride and, and give him the life he's, he was never supposed to have because I wasn't supposed to walk, read, write, none of that wow. stuff. And, and, and fast forward now, you know, I got my degree and everything. And, and, and it goes to show that with the proper support system, with people encouraging you, with people including you in things that you need, it yes. is possible. It, you know, it, it is. And, and I, I love what you said about your stepmom that, you know, she had, she had to make a decision. And, and so she obviously not only made a decision, but she, it sounds like she knew what to do for you when you were younger. And, and she, and she, she gave me tough love, a lot of tough love, but it was worth yeah. it. I mean, she, she was on me all the time and still to this day. <laughs> I don't think that ever stops. No, still to this day. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I am forever grateful. And, and I, I tell people I credit her for saving my life because without her, I don't think there would be me here today. Wow. Wow. Well, I mean, you just, you sound so inspiring and that so many, you know, younger, younger kids can see themselves in you and you have, you know, you've, you've done it. I think it's amazing. And I, I really love the fact that you're out there as a speaker and you're, you're providing that, that additional level of, of, uh, you know, awareness and education. Yeah, and that's that's something with these kids that I want to instill in them. So sometimes I'm a little hard on them, and I talk to them. I'm like, I'm not hard on you because I don't like you. I'm hard on you because I believe in you. I have faith in you. When nobody yeah. else does, I do. Yes. Well, because you under you understand as well. You know, you've been there. Yeah. Yeah, and um, this is where we both come in and, and just uh continue on with our our journeys as far as inspiring and and motivating these kids. And, and I think we're doing a pretty good job. We still have a lot of work to do, but we'll get there. We will, we will get there. Yeah. Well, and as, like, I always say, like baby steps will still get you there. Um, and, and that's, that's okay. Um, and, you know, one of the things that inclusiveology does is, you know, we, we, I provide training in a different manner than training has been provided before. So in my, in my previous district, you know, we would have training, but there was no time for follow-up. So how do you have training with no follow-up? So then it doesn't, it, you know, you, again, you can tell people what to do, but then if they don't know, you know, what happens, you know, after training and now suddenly they're not sure what to do and there's no one to ask. Right. Exactly. So, so my, my way of educating school communities is to provide background knowledge a lot of times there's no background knowledge. So you have to have the background knowledge first. So if you don't have that, there's an opportunity to grow that. And then, you know, of course there's training, but then there's coaching that comes after that. When those unique situations come up, when you're not sure what tool to use to make something accessible for a child, if you're not sure how to tackle, you know, a specially designed instruction, when, when it's time to ask those questions, like, well, how do I do X, Y, and Z? 
there's me <laughs> to actually answer those questions and to make it relevant. You know, it just, it has to be relevant and including everybody is relevant. It has to be relevant. Exactly. Hit the nail right in the coffin. We have to include everyone, no matter, no matter what. And no matter I, what, I truly, I truly admire what, what we're, what you, what you're doing. And I see big things from, you know, from both, both, both of us eventually, and especially you, because you've been, you've been out there for, for longer than I've, I've been uh, probably doing this for longer than I've been alive. <laughs> well, and the funny thing too, is that, so, you know, I spent the 26 years in education, but my adventure really started back in my childhood. So it's really been, um, it's kind of been a lifelong passion. It really has been. And I'm, I'm looking forward to, to sharing this episode with everyone and, and where can, where can they find you like your information and learn about inclusiveology? So they can find me on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook page for my business, or they can go to www.inclusiveology.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn under DJ Nicholson, or they can find my inclusiveology business page there as well. Awesome. Awesome. And I'll, I'll definitely, uh, share this in the description when the, when the episode airs and, uh, DJ, it's, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. It's uh it's been fun. Being it able has to been share, fun. This being, is great. Being able to share our own personal stories of, uh, of struggles and up to success. And hopefully with our hard work and dedication towards inclusion and advocacy, we can, yeah. we can make the world a more, more accessible place for everyone. Absolutely. I love it, David. That sounds awesome. So thank you. And um, you're able to find this episode on iTunes, Spotify, every other major podcasting outlet you listen to. And as I always say, um, if I can do it, so can you. But also remember that if, if DJ can, can bring inclusion and accessibility and be an advocate, so can you. So th thank you guys, and I hope you have a wonderful day.